Hey, this is the outcast, Shannon Moore. Hey, guys, this is Big Vito LaGrasso, and you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D, from his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to Live in Color with Wolfie D. And today we're starting a cool episode. This one is the PG-13 takeover of WCW. Wolfie, do you remember these times pretty well, man? How, how did you enjoy your time in WCW? Man, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it. We had great matches there. It was just... The thing is, it was the dying times of WCW. I wish I could have got there, you know, before uh, and and had somebody that believed in us, you know, then to, to do more because I think we could have. Uh, they gave us, you know, decent spots or whatever. Um, Russo was in. Jeff was our end to that. Uh, the story goes, <laughs> getting it from me, uh, which is true. Uh, me and me and Janie were working for my stepfather, uh, Rock Solid Security, and Jeff was doing a personal appearance in Nashville at the Municipal Auditorium for something. I don't remember what it was or whatever, but they said, okay, you know, because we were on their payroll, Rock Solid, you know, I was doing concerts, bouncing, stuff like that, and uh, they just, they automatically knew, okay, let Jamie and Wolfie go work this deal, you know, because Jeff's the guy that they're securitying is that a word <laughs> yeah, uh, it is now I mean, he, he was surprised he's like what the fuck are you guys doing here like what the fuck are you doing here man we're here to fucking protect you if you want to try to jump you or something <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he did his deal or whatever and then uh that's because i had been out of the business for a minute and me and jamie had not tagged for a while uh right conclusion of uswa up until this time and so we talked to Jeff, and then, you know, Jeff gave us our break in USWA, and I've said this a hundred times, Jeff's always been a, a huge uh, influence in my career as far as giving me a uh, spot. So anyway, um, he, uh, you know, like I said, Russo was in, him and Russo were cool, and uh, they brought us in just to do, you know, kind of what we did, man, just have good matches with people, because, you know, as I've said before, uh, Jeff always liked me, and I think he always liked the team. He was the one that filmed the match, that got us our job with USWA, and blah, 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 and took it to his dad. So he gave us another chance and brought us into WCW at the dying days, like I said. Um, so there was no real push there. It was just we had opportunities on shows that, uh, you know, where they want to showcase some talent or whatever. And I think we did that, you know, we, we didn't, I don't even know if we won a match in fucking WCW, but, uh, we always had really good matches and we were paired up with people that, um, could have good matches with us, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, you guys were like the Carpenter tag team at that point. And so before we get too deep into WCW, I kind of want to go back a little bit to kind of what brought you there. Obviously, we now know Jeff, you know, as usual, you know, helped out his fellow USWA alumni. But but let's go back just a minute here. So before you guys were working in WCW, you had been working for MCW, Music City Wrestling. That was your 
you know, your area that you worked in just before WCW. Now, MCW, or Music City Wrestling, ran from 1994 to 2000. Obviously, it was a Nashville-based promotion owned by Burt Prentice, and at a time, it was also owned by Bill Behrens, with Burt included. Just a quick thought. Give us some of your memories of MCW while, while we're talking about it. Well, I mean, that was good stuff, but then also I want to put in there, I don't know how the you know, ownership or whatever, switch back and forth, whatever. But there was also a thing called main event wrestling, which was, you know, what we were told Reno Riggins on that. And so there was, there was MCW music city wrestling. There was main event wrestling, but it all kind of, you know, they got the same channels, you know what I mean? It was almost all the same stuff, but different people had it at different times after USWA went out of business, they were trying to grab yeah. Nashville or whatever. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there were, there were great, uh, times in there and some good stuff that we did there. Uh, Bert's stuff was always good. Like I said, uh, you know, when Bert passed away, I posted a video, me and him had a love hate relationship. He always thought I bullied his guys, which it was just me working. <laughs> like I work it was nothing right. uh, intentional or anything like that against anybody. It's just how I work. Right. But Bert was very protective over his guys and uh but he always used me because he knew i could get him over <clears throat> reno's thing uh that was awesome too me and jamie uh did a program with reno and steve uh doll steve dunn that was classic they they called themselves the tennessee volunteers and there's one and man i'd love to find this clip if it's out there of uh i came out in a blonde wig Jamie came out in a brown wig, so we were impersonating <laughs> them with their with their clothes on and everything, and did an impersonation, and then they came out and beat us up or whatever. But it was classic; it was funny as hell. Oh, dude, that sounds amazing! Now, I do remember them as the Tennessee Volunteers. So basically, it, just before your WCW match, there was your last match. It was PG-13 with Flash Flanagan versus Brickhouse Brown and the Tennessee Volunteers. So we talked about Flash a ton. We talked about Brickhouse before. But speak on Reno and Steve Dunn. I don't know when we'll get to them in another yes. episode. So talk about Reno and Steve just for a minute. Man, Reno, he was a great worker, man. He never got the – one of those people that never got the recognition, man. He was a uh, WWF talent uh, kind of, you know, I, I hate that word job guy anymore. I mean, but he enhanced the talent. I guess that's what he calls that now. The Reno was good, man. I've had many great matches with Reno. Um, and Steve was awesome, you know, well done. We know that we, we know his, uh, run in Portland was awesome. Uh, and Steve was a friend of mine, man. And, uh, <clears throat> we have, me and Steve have a lot of uh, personal uh, times together that, uh, you know, precede a lot of stuff in my life, man. Unfortunately, he passed away, and uh, it was at a time in my life where I could not get there, and uh, I wanted to be there, but I, I was not. He met his wife, and I met my my first and only wife at the same time, and they were best friends. So me and Steve had a very close connection, uh, and, and me and Reno also had a close connection just as of, you know, working in the business and just appreciating each other. Uh, he was on a lot of shows. Dutch used to run, and God, what a great idea it was. And I don't remember how I got screwed up, but he would go to middle schools and high schools 
And uh, I think that's where I first met Reno because I worked him on one of these uh, Dutch shows at these schools. And Dutch would go in there and like at the middle of the, the school day, would go in and the kids would assemble in the gym. They'd have the ring set up and we'd do a couple of matches to lead yeah. up to a show that night, which is genius. I mean, it really was. It at is. That time, it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's how I got to know Reno. And uh, and that's my relationship with Steve and my relationship with Bert in, in Nashville. You know, I was always, anybody wanted to start something new in Nashville, they always called me. Whether I took part in it or shit on it, you know, that's another story. <laughs> well, you know, Reno to me, and just a quick story about him. TJ had booked me at NWA Saw. I had been working for free for Mike Porter up until his NWA mm. main event closed down. And, Mike, you know, Alex Mike Green, Port- super green. And, and Mike, you know, there's a million stories we can tell about Mike Porter, rest in peace. But I got um, the best one. Tell it. Tell it. I don't know if I've talked about this on any of our other things. Um, maybe no, I have, you have but okay. So me and uh, there's a guy named Donnie Goodman, Donnie Eden, that uh, okay. came around. Uh, he he was friends with a lot of us and did a lot of good things for a lot of us, and uh, he's kind of a good guy in the business. His stepdad was Tim Ernesto's dad. So yeah. Anyway, Donnie tells me, and I'm like 16. 17 at this point, Joe just got done training me. I'm trying to get some bookings, whatever. Donnie says, Hey, there's this guy named Mike Porter that runs a lot of shows around here. And, and you know, we're in Nashville. And he said, he works at the, the mortuary up here. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. And I'm not a fan of dead bodies. Or something. Yeah, let me tell you that. Not so Donnie says, Hey, I'm going to take you up here and, you know, Michael book you and, and whatnot. And I'm like, okay. So we pull up. It's in West Nashville. Don't remember the name of the place. Uh, I think Mike had some heat on him, actually. Listeners or whoever can go back and look at this for uh, defamation of uh, corpses and stuff like that. I don't know. There was there was some shit going on back then. But anyway, so we go to this mortuary, and it's raining outside. There's a thunderstorm going on. So this is, this, here comes the hype. Here comes the hype. So anyway, we uh, we go in there. And Mike is not there. We just walk into this empty. I mean, they have funerals there. So downstairs is the chapel area or whatever. Then you go upstairs. There's, hey, you can buy a coffin in this room. There's all these coffins. And then there's some back rooms that you don't, you don't go into or whatever. So we're waiting on Mike to come out. And I swear to God, this is the honest God truth. He comes through a, like a double door with a gurney with a dead body on it. I'm talking toe oh tags and all bullshit. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, what a Christ. So he pushes this thing through. I don't want to say thing. I don't know who it was. It's probably wrong. Right. But this is what I felt at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He pushes of course. His through, and there's a there's a, that white, uh, you know, drape over it. That white uh, sheet or whatever. And I swear there was feet sticking out with a toe tag on it. And I oh. saw that. Holy shit. And then right about that time, no bullshit, man. I know this. It's crazy because I, I, you can't make this stuff up. You know, I told you it was raining. All of a sudden, woof, woof, lightning and thunder at the same time. Boom, boom. It knocks the lights out. Okay. 
So I'm in a fucking morgue, and I, there's a dead body in front of me, which I don't like anyway. There's a toe tag and all this shit, and the fucking lightning strikes, and boom, the lights go out, this motherfucker. And we're upstairs. And I'm telling you, man, it's like on the cartoons where they are up in the air, and then their legs start spinning before they boom, take off. I had to have looked like that because I fucking ran down the steps as fast as I could out the front door, and I never went back in <laughs> waited yeah. for Johnny in the car. Oh, my God. Yeah, Mike Porter story. Dude, that's legendary. I can't wait to share that with my friends that I work with. It was absolutely yeah. fucking nuts. It was like the scariest thing. <laughs> I know yeah. it sounds like garbage. I swear, my life is just crazy. That is an amazing story. So here, Mike Porter is one of the last guys that I remember that used the actual carny handshake, you know, uh, the wrestler's yeah. handshake. It was always kind of right. like, what? Dude, shake my hand. But anyway, long story short, TJ booked me at Saw after he saw I was doing good things. And then Reno Riggins was working there, not as a boss, but kind of as an on-air promoter, general manager deal. And Reno told me one time, he said, kids, you're pretty good. But if you ever go out there without a jacket on, I'm going to smack you. Basically, he, you know, I had a full suit and I remember it was right. boiling hot in the sawmill. And I said, man, I'm going to ditch this jacket because it's so hot. And he lit into me like nobody's business. But it was right. He did the right thing. Anyway, enough about me. We'll get Reno on the show hopefully sometime in the future. Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. So we know who brought you in as far as Jeff uh, bringing you into WCW and how he brought you in. Now, if you don't mind, were you brought in on a deal? Was there a contract? Was there something that they brought you in on? No, we were never signed with them. It was just a, hey, here's your guarantee every night. You know, yeah. we do this. Of course, we were like. Now, let me ask you this. And again, not being nosy, you don't have to talk figures, but how was your deal compared to WWE with WCW uh, per night? Relatively, relatively the same. Uh, although, okay. at the with the nation domination, uh, we were actually under contract. We were never contracted with WCW, so that was the only difference. But the pay was about the same. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Okay, well, that's cool. You know, that answers that. So the first match in WCW, now this one is cool because, you know, I'm a mark for Jim Crockett era wrestling, and they brought you in on Thunder. So this is your first match in, in WCW televised. It's actually available on Peacock and Rick Steiner and Mike Rotunda, and they have officially in this episode, with Kevin Sullivan included, they have brought back the Varsity Club gimmick, which was yeah. one of my favorite gimmicks from, from the late 80s. And, of course, this ended in a DQ that led you guys to win that match. So, technically, your very first match, you win by DQ. So, you said you didn't <laughs> win a match, but, in fact, you beat the Varsity Club. <laughs> so well, I guess that's, uh, that's a big thing there, I guess. Uh, oh, I do dude, remember that's that. awesome. 
uh, the chick with the the lay around her neck or whatever. Kimona uh, wanna lay you? Yeah. 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 I think uh, Kevin Sullivan gave us the trio woe a couple of times and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Be able to you, wrestle under obviously and to be in the ring with those type of guys, man. Just I just I was very lucky, man. I was very lucky. Well, you know the cool thing if you guys go watch it on Thunder, I highly recommend it. It's on the twelve twenty three ninety nine version of Thunder on Peacock. You got to go in there and look. But Mike and Rick, those guys are legendary workers. Kevin as yeah. well, as far as mind and stuff. So in that, who is kind of y'all's agent, or is it Kevin that's talking you through the match? How how did you all? Go? I, Do you remember? I remember in WCW the agent type people? I mean, uh, I mean, without a doubt, it was Rotundo and, and Steiner telling us, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Jamie probably threw something there. Hey, we'll do this for you. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know, yeah. pretty easy stuff, man, with guys that can work like that. And, you know, we were very, like I said, we, we can work with anybody, man, because we were brought up in an era that was awesome. You know, working in Memphis, you learn to work with anybody. And, and those guys knew that, and they appreciated that, and they knew they could do whatever they needed to do with us, and it would work out great. So Yeah. I loved it when you all, you know, you came out, the hip-hop's playing, and then I hear it's the P to the G to the 1 and the 3, and I'm like, oh, this is it. And you guys look yeah. like you, I mean, you know, like to say that you had been USWA wrestlers, you had been WWE, you look like you belonged in that position. So, you know, anybody, like I said, I highly recommend going to check out this match. Unfortunately, it was not long enough, but the long story of that is you won that match by a DQ, and by God, that counts. <laughs> so, uh, I'll take it. So, anyway, yeah, do you have any thoughts on Rick, Mike, Kevin, anything special stuck I mean, out during that? Great workers they were. Like I said, like I, I mean, I was lucky to be able to work with guys like that. I, I honestly was, man. So lucky to work with those guys. You know, Steiner or Scott Steiner and Jeff were good friends. So he kind of, you know, when you're friends with somebody and then they're like, yeah, they're cool. You know, that's, that's kind of yeah. a thing. So, yeah. you know. I was cool with this. You know, the Steiners could have, you know, we were, I, I worked with Rick. I, I can't remember working with Scott much, but uh, I, I did work with him. And it's just like, you know, they took care of us, man. They could have fucking beat us up or whatever, and, you know, done their stuff right. that they'd done to guys that were in lower positions for a long time, but they never did. They they knew that, hey, if I give these guys something, they're going to make us look good. And we were good at that. I mean, we make anybody look good. I can make right. somebody that has never been ring before i pride myself on that i can make you look good uh, right. to a certain extent but uh and i think they knew that and, and as far as like the steiner line i've had people ask me how was the steiner line well and how was road warrior hawks clothesline and all this and well like i said both of those two uh i think had a little you know respect for me or whatever and i also knew how to take care of myself man it's called just being smart, and if you crowd a guy a little bit on the inside of a person that throws a crazy clothesline, for instance, uh, JBL or Stan Hansen throw that wicked-ass clothesline, the power is coming the fist out on the outside. The power is not into the shoulder. Okay. So anybody with a very hard-ass clothesline, I would always try to get inside of them, hit my shoulder against their chest, and so that makes that velocity of that fist 
that much less, if that makes sense, and you understand kind of like physics or whatever. If you crack a little bit, you can still make it look good, but not get the impact of everything that's way out there on the outside. So when I seen it coming, I would just come in a little bit and make sure that my shoulder touched their underarm or chest so that when they hit me, the velocity was way outside of my head, if that makes sense. It does, man. And that is actually like... That's stuff we ought to be charging for right there, Wolfie. Let me ask you this. Who taught you that, or did you just learn that on your own? Man, you got to learn how to take care of yourself. Nobody taught me that. I just, after working with people like, like I always say this, man, Perry Saturn was one of the stiffest people I ever worked with. And he, people like him, and I, and I love Perry, and I, don't, I mean this in a very uh thank you way is you know he taught me how to take care of myself because he was stiff man he throw that shit in there so i had to you know adapt to okay i'm gonna let him close on me in the throat jaw whatever or am i going to position myself where when he throws that thing i'm gonna get in a position where it's not gonna kill me you know right yeah no that's huge man i love that and honestly, a light bulb just went off in my brain. And I think, you know, that to me, the bands of the show are going to love that. Okay, so in the second match was on Nitro. And unfortunately, they cut this off the Nitro episode on T-Top. Because if you look at the time on it, it's only two hours. And at that time, it was a three-hour show with commercials. So they've cut some mm-hmm. of this off there. But your second match ever in WCW was versus Berlin and Rick Steiner. That one you won by... A DQ as well on the 1227 Nitro, and that was again not on Peacock. Now we've spoke about Berlin, and of course we just spoke about Rick Steiner. So really not much to talk about in that match, but it did take you on to your third match. So you basically won two matches here. You won the first one by a DQ. You won the second one by a DQ. So basically they're moving you along, but they're not letting you go over on their big guys, you know. So right. Which is smart, I guess, if you want to keep a team going and, and not kill your guys. Well, they, you know, so. they didn't know what they wanted to do with us. There was no plan. Like I said, Jeff hooked us right. up with, hey, man, I can't believe you guys are, you know, sitting here doing security when you were PG-13. So, you right. know, come on. Go on here and let's see what yeah. we do. And he didn't have ultimate control. I mean, obviously, you know, Russo and stuff like that. So, sure. whatever. But I mean, he's, yeah, he's always had Russo's ear. If you could say that he's like the Hogan to Bischoff's, you know, control. So he was, he was Jeff Jarrett and Russo were like Hogan and Bischoff. So so anyway, so now onto the third match and this one occurred on January 3rd, 2000. This was on a Monday Nitro. Now what's cool about this one is you guys come out as a hype. You're doing a gimmick interview. You're basically doing a promo, talking, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, DDP comes out. And basically at the Mm -hmm. heat spot, you guys are beating up on DDP. He's in an angle with the wolf pack. He ends up diamond cutting both of you. Speak a little bit about DDP. Do you remember that spot there? Remember that, yeah. I mean, cool to to be in the ring with him and stuff like that. And I mean, very nice guy. Just saw him at the big event and whatever. We talked for a few and uh, he, he's, one of the, he's telling his yoga to me and everything about Oh, I'm sure. First, hey, Wolfie, how you feel? How you feel? And I'm like, dude, my fucking hip, my name. I love, hey, if you'll just do this, blah, 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 blah. Give yeah. me a number. Give me a number. <laughs> so he was trying to tell me. But I mean, whatever. I mean, I believe it works and stuff like that. But yeah, um, very cool, man. DDP was over, man. He did his thing, man. You know? Yeah. 
you know, of course, he gave you guys the diamond cutter, you mm-hmm. guys doing your little, you know, slap hands, hip bump deal, and then you're yeah. making fun of him. Um, basically, it, it was a funny spot. It served its purpose. But the problem is, is all you right. guys are all laid out, and here comes, you know, the wolf pack, whatever. And if Scott didn't get in the ring at all, I think Scott had been battling an injury. And then Kevin just gives you an elbow drop and pins you. One, two, three. Is that what spray painted this though? Yeah, you got spray painted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell you something on that. We had to go to Jeff on that because at that point, for whatever reason, we only had that one outfit at that point. You know, we had multiple outfits. At that point, me and him yeah. only had an outfit. And they were going to spray the shorts and everything. And uh, I was like, no, you can't do that because it's all we got. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know if we got heat with ash or whatever, but we went to Jeff and said, man, you got to tell them they can spray paint our backs and whatever, but they cannot spray paint our shorts. So if you'll notice, they didn't spray paint our shorts. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, man, because you guys have been away from the business. I can see only having one pair of, you know, working yeah. shorts. Now, let me ask you this. The spray paint, was it shoot spray paint or was it some kind of gimmick stuff? Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. That's why I didn't watch shorts. (laughs) So did you, were you guys walking through the airport with NWO still on your back or did you get it off in the shower? Okay. (laughs) We watched that off. Good. Because that would be lame. (laughs) Okay. So Nash and Steiner, you, you guys lose to them in the second round of this, or the quarterfinal round of this tag team tournament. Now, the first matches, you guys were kind of the carpenter bumping feed guys. The the second set is where I really considered that you guys came into your own. You know, before we get into these matches, who were the bookers at Nitro at this time or at any of the shows? How did you guys work with those? Like, who were they? Was it just Russo? Or? Uh, uh, not directly with him. No, it was agents. It was Arn. It was, uh, man, I can't remember who the other ones was, honestly. Uh, I yeah. wish I could. I forget a lot of stuff, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, Arn and guys like that to come to you and just, Hey, this is what we need. Blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Well, the next match is where I think you guys were properly used personally. You basically had, you know, these matches with three count, the mama Luke's Flair and crowbar, the young dragons, you worked the Armstrongs in a three way with the mama Luke's. And coming up, you've got some cool opportunities as watch-alongs with those guys. And those were all on, like, the Saturday night or Sunday night shows. But the cool thing about those shows were those were the extension of the original TBS shows, where they never went off the air, if you think about it. When NWA Jim Crockett Promotions, that that show on Saturday and Sunday night was called World Championship Wrestling. It extended on to where Turner bought them and turned the whole thing into WCW. But the cool right. thing, man, is y'all are doing it on the original show that came from those eras. So that kind of clicked with me in my head. So, okay. So anyway, we've got some talking to do about Three Count, the Mama Lukes, and Young Dragons coming up. But what about Flair and Crowbar? Give us a little, you know, what did you think about the son of the greatest of all time? He was fucking terrible, man. God, he was hard <laughs> to work with. He was, yeah. man. I mean, I'm not bullshitting yeah. nobody. He was very hard to yeah. work with. He was not. Good. Uh, definitely, the jeans did not play over like they did with Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. He, he was not. He was hard to work with, man. And uh, but you know, and I go back to this, man. 
in Memphis, the job guys that they would give us were most of the time so fucking horrible. You had to shoot, do whatever it was that you were trying to get over to them. Like, seriously, like even chain wrestling, whatever, you pretty much had to shoot and do it. So I think that prepared us for people like him that, you know, on a national stage are trying to get this guy over and yeah, I got to work with him and God, he's horrible, but I can do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, he, he was not good, man. Not good at all. Yeah, but whatever. Corbar was definitely the worker of that crew, right? Oh, clearly. Yeah, he was my partner in TNA for a minute, man. I mean, yeah, he was right. a great worker. Yeah, seems to be a really good guy too. So you know, one thing I never saw with David Flair, he never had the footwork down. Hell it, no. It was kind of yeah. he had like happy feet or something. You know, yeah. is that something like that you can tell about somebody? You know, have that. And, you know, I've had a school. I also uh, taught the USWA school there for a while. I've had guys come in there that are, you know, uh, college athletes, football players, whatever, you know, and excelled. But in the ring, it's something different, man. And it really is all about timing and footwork. And if you don't know where you are in the ring or you can't, your agility is just not there, people don't understand what it takes to be a pro wrestler, man. It's it's not just the look talk and all that stuff but to get your shit in the ring it's like you got to know where you are in the ring how to make it not look like it's choreographed on certain things and yeah the right. footwork and the time huge man and some people just never get it let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors and we'll be right back with more live and in color with wolfie d Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. All right, folks, and we're back. Now, next week, I just want to let you know about a cool deal we have. So for episode 23, we are continuing WCW is PG-13. And the way we're going to do that is with a watch along. And we've got some very special guests. Shannon Moore from Three Count and Big Vito from the Mama Loops. We'll be watching three matches with PG-13 and WCW. Thank you all again for sticking around with us through this awesome year. We look for much more to happen in 2022. But right now, the only true thing we need to do is DJ hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. All 
right, folks, we're back with Current Affairs, and we've got some cool ones today. The first Current Affair is recently on Monday Night Raw, a fan decided to fez press Seth Rollins. Have you seen anything about that? I did see that, and uh, I mean, hell, when, when you don't see it coming, man, it's one thing, you know what I mean? Right. Back day, and I know we discussed this, if you got beat yeah. up by a fan, Fired. Uh, yeah. And I've had it happen more than once to me. My <laughs> first my first time was, uh, it was somewhere, it was a Buddy Wayne show for USWA. It was, mm-hmm. I want to say, Liable, Arkansas. No security, no police, no, uh, no rope or barrier around the ring. So you just had front row and that was it. it was, you know, no padding, no nothing. I've talked about that. That's just how it was, man. And, uh, right. you know, he and his mouth can get his, get us into so much trouble. And uh, yeah. he looked at the guy. I was wrestling Danny Davis. It was a singles match. I think the first match on the card, actually. Uh, me against Danny Davis, the, the founder of OVW. And yeah. Uh, yeah. he, uh, Jamie gets on the mic, and he's burying everybody like he always does. And he looks at this guy, and he says, Hey, buddy, if that was my ugly old lady, I wouldn't bring her out in public. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this guy gets fucking hot, and he he steps up, gets out of the chair, he steps up. And like I said, it's my match. I'm in the ring. Me and Danny yeah. are start. Jamie's on the floor and says that to him. Well, Jamie jumps up on the apron outside the rope still, but with his face facing the crowd and this guy that's coming at him. So yeah. people do not know how to get in the ring. I have learned this over my years. Unless you're a wrestler that's taught how to properly get in the ring, you do this weird thing where you step over the second rope, then put your other foot over the second rope, and then your head is like doing the limbo with the third rope. That's what most right. people will do. They get in a wrestling ring, <laughs> yes. But, and I learned that just from this and then also just like uh, taking pictures uh, in the middle of the ring. When, when Polaroids were a thing, we'd have them lined up and they'd get in the ring. They just had no idea how to get in. So anyway, this guy starts coming at Jamie. Jamie jumps up on the apron, and then he dips into the ring. So this guy does what I just described, one foot in, one foot in. So he's now trapped in the... Harley race uh, bingo fucking spot. I don't know what else to call it. Where when he came, when he got into that position, I grabbed him by the hair and I just started knocking him. Boom! So his his head is outside the top rope, and then the rest of his body is inside the ring. So I just reach over the top rope, handful of hair, boom, boom, boom. I start drilling the guy. Well, yeah. I turn around. And then there's Jamie. Jamie's in the middle of the ring. Then also there's this little old man. He appeared to be about 170 years old. <laughs> I mean, this little old man, I mean, he had overalls on. Uh, I mean, it was just the classic old man of where we were at the time uh, in yeah. Arkansas. So he's standing there, and he's got his hands like he's he's in a somewhat of a fighting position. I don't know if I want to call it that, but he's got his hand kind of reached in his pocket. And these old motherfuckers will cut you, man. That's you ask right. the old tower to cut you, man. And right. uh, so I didn't know what to do. I swear to God, at this time I was 19 years old, 
And the toughest thing I could say without, like, I didn't know what to do. Do I hit this old 90-year-old man? And it was just all going through my head. Am I going to jail if I do it? Yeah. You know, blah, blah. Right. So I look at him and I said, you need to get the fuck out of the ring. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Well, yeah. about that time, Jamie grabs him by his collar and, like, shoot, like, fucking, boom, fucking throws him down on his back. And I'm like, oh, shit. But broke it. <laughs> Jamie starts putting the boots to him, but he's fucking, he's fucking working, kicking him. He's giving him work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest part was, this is the shoot. He throws him down and he starts working, kicking this old man. <laughs> it was great. So, anyway. That's all. That happens, and so that makes somebody else mad. This other guy gets in the ring, and and Frank Morell, who was uh, the French Angel, he was another. I mean, Frank was a big oh, yeah. referee. Anybody that yeah. remembers Frank, so Frank was the referee. Well, Frank, the next guy that comes in, Frank grabs him and just like hooks him in the corner. He puts his hands on the second rope and has his shoulder into the guy's abdomen and has him hooked in the corner. So I walk over to that guy, and I just fucking punch him. Boom. Well, I don't even know after that point how it got settled down, but those people were thrown out by, like I said, there was no security, but it all settled down, and then me and Danny had our match. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what I wanted to know. The thing about fighting an old man, it's like fighting a kid. It's like fighting a woman. If you lose... It looks horrible, but if you beat right. them up, it looks horrible. So there's right. no winning there, you know? Davey down and started working, kicking him. I guess that's what you do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because he probably saw him and felt bad like you did. But anyway, I saw that Seth got Fez pressed by the fan, and then the refs jumped on him, and then Seth slid out from under and was jawing him, like saying, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And then... When he got off of a plane, TMZ asked him a question and said, you know, how did you feel? He was like, I was terrified. I didn't know how to react. So, like, he's totally killing his you know, creed yeah. as a man, you know? I didn't know that. I mean, I've seen the clip, and he did it. He came out of nowhere, and he looked like he was a strong guy or whatever. But, dude, I don't care. Once the... Once even help came, my reaction yeah. would have been to fuck this dude up. And that's just, right. I don't know. I've had other uh, altercations. Like I said, I described that one, my first one. But yeah. I've had other ones. Man, you ain't coming in on me like that. and, and Because right. you're hurt. Well, all right. I was fixing to say you're hurting his money. But it's not believed like it used to be. You know, right. if you get beat up by a fan, uh, that's going to kill you. Well, nowadays, oh, a spectator jumped in on a performer, you know, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. No, man, you need to keep your badass, you know what I mean? And right. if they jump in on you, and uh, I just, I don't know what the rules are now, what they tell them, whatever. Right. But the rules were, well, I was in the game, it was, if they cross that fucking barrier, they're a fucking game. And it's you all. can whoop shit. And that's happened to me, like I said, quite a few times. Fuck that, man. If you're going to jump it on me, uh, that's a personal assault on me. And I'm not waiting on security, man. I'm not waiting on security. Right, because it also sets a precedent for other fans that they know they can't jump Wolfie, you know? Jump in, hey, they won't do nothing to you. Right. Wonder, when is going to be that time 
when a fan gets so mad at somebody that there's a, like a shooting at a wrestling event or something like that. That'd be crazy. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I hope it never happens, but at the same time, the oh, way America and everything's going, you know. You pull something no. on anybody. Yeah. Man, that would sure. be fucked up. And because it, our society, like, we let people get away with dumb shit like that. And if somebody jumps in the ring, they need their ass whooped, period. Oh, yeah. And that's the end of the story, and I think that's the end of that question. Perfect cap there. Okay, my second current affair. This one's a little bit of a bummer, but so recently Kenny Omega dropped his title to Hangman Adam Page on AEW's latest pay-per-view. And it was released recently after that that essentially he dropped the title because he's about to have multiple surgeries. So from a man that has also had his share of surgeries, get this list. He's going to have knee, shoulder, abdominal, and a hernia fit all after, you know, basically he's going to do all this essentially in a row or at once. He's been dealing with vertigo since around 2018. He's probably going to be out until February of 2022, which to me seems like a short window for all of those surgeries. Anyway, as a man that's had his share of of surgeries, what are your thoughts on all that? I totally respect that, man. I mean, I know that I have went to the ring uh, with so many things wrong with me, like early on, uh, and and now I still need surgery. And I don't know how I do it. How old is he? I want to say middle 30s. I don't know that answer, yeah. unfortunately. The birthday's next week. I'll be 48, man. And, uh, you know, I started when I was uh, 16, 15. And, uh, you know, my body's broke down from it. I, and I totally appreciate stuff like that because, you know, now I feel like even NFL guys, and uh, it's not the same game. They're not the I, man, I hate to bury anybody, but they're not as tough as they were back in the 70s, 80s, even early 90s, those guys, you know, in NFL. Right. And it's just our culture. I guess everything's changing. We're trying to take care of everybody with concussions and all that kind of Man, we went out there and did what we do. And I do appreciate that, uh, you know, Kenny Omega being uh, that guy that's just working through his his shit, man, because he, he he knows if he you know says, "Hey, I'm hurt," and he's got to give up his shit and possibly his push right. and you know whatever. I mean, I, and I totally get it. I've been out there. I've wrestled with the flu. I've worked Brian Christopher one night. We were the main event in uh, in Louisville one night, and I had the flu, man, bad. And so I went to the ring with a fucking hoodie on because I was cold. I was I had the chills and shit, but I still wrestled. Yeah, no and, doubt. For the time when I I had fucked my back up real bad on a, a, a spot with Stephen Dunn, and I had to work Brian in Memphis, uh, I don't know a couple of days later, but it still wasn't good, and you know my back wasn't good enough, so I went out there with a a weight belt, tightened as hard as I could, and the only thing I could do for him, man, for his, you know I was the heel, and for his comeback, all I could do was like, he'd punch me. And I'd take my arm and I'd bounce off the second rope. Instead of taking a bump and feeding him back, I would just bounce off the second rope so I didn't have to go down because I knew if I went down, I probably wouldn't get back up. So I would just bounce yeah. off the second keep feeding him. And, you know, so I get it, man. That's awesome. I, I, some of the stuff he has done, I think is dumb. Uh, but, I mean, I think the guy's a good worker and, uh, you know. He is he's a great worker. I, yeah, as a worker, he's about a 9 or a 10. As a promo, he's about a three. But, the, you know. I can't judge on that. I, I cannot yeah. judge on promos. But, I mean, just the, you know, wrestling the little kid and the blow-up doll and stuff like that. And I know it's Japan. They do dumb stuff. But, I don't oh, know. I'm just yeah. not, I, a lot of my career was built on doing 
comedy spots and stuff, but I think there's a line. <laughs> I think it was crossed a couple. Of times. Oh yeah, it's been it's been not crossed. It's been blasted through like a yeah. You know. Anyway, best wishes to Kenny Omega from the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. We hope you're back feeling it soon. The one thing I will say is a lot of these guys we're in the guaranteed contract era now, so it, it's not surprising that guys would leave with a hangnail and say I'm hurt for six months. Yeah. In his case. He was carrying the title, the company technically. Also, you know, uh, so kudos to him for working with those surgeries in the era that we live in now. Okay, third and final one is is because we did a WCW episode, I had to have a WCW mainstay. Ric Flair recently stated that the WWE is killing his and legacy they are technically erasing it they won't return his title belt apparently triple h has won the 10 pounds of gold nwa title and then there is another one i think the winged eagle belt that he won at the 92 royal rumble and that was his first wwe title and basically he's saying that they're keeping those and they're they're keeping them hostage from what i've understood though triple h bought the the domed globe when when rick was going through through some alimony issues with his like 13th wife or whatever. Right. So anyway, you know, Triple H probably thinks he bought that and Ric Flair's saying, I want to buy it back or whatever. But long story short, you know, erasing his legacy. Also, he has recently started a new podcast. So he's now our competition, big bro. So <laughs> long story short, you know, Ric Flair as a podcast, that's just money. That makes sense. But can you really, I mean, WWE technically could erase anybody's legacy. They did the warrior for a long time. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Man, I don't think they can erase Ric Flair, though, because of the, I mean, back in the day, they had more power when there was no internet. Internet right. has changed. I mean, you've got people, uh, I, I got turned on to that guy, Duhausen, uh, okay? Yeah, Dan Housen. Oh, I'd seen a few things, and then I was like, all right, let me look at this guy. And so I watched the yeah. things he said. And he reminded me of a Skeletor. Uh, I don't know how to describe what I what I liked about the voice and the picture and everything. And then I said, okay, let me watch him work. And I watched him work, yeah. and that kind of brought me back a little bit. They can do some. Somebody can do something with him. I don't know if it's his work or whatever. But the gimmick is great, and he's got a good push. Yes, WWE can like hold your future in their hands. But Ric Flair was Ric Flair before WWE or even F was really that big of a deal. Ric Flair is Ric Flair, man. You have NFL teams, for sure I know the Panthers, uh, play videos of him before the game to hype them up. Right. I mean, he's Ric Flair. He's also fucking Hulk Hogan. He's also The Rock. He's also Stone Cold. So, People like this don't have to rely anymore on WWE to push them or to you know contribute to their legacy. They can do what they want or whatever, but he's still Ric Flair. And people don't care what Dark Side of the Ring did. I I don't believe yet tarnished for you know a few weeks. It tarnished yeah. Tommy for a few weeks, uh, which yeah. you know he was just caught in a crossfire. Uh, but you cannot compete with that man. I mean, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. You know, and he's always going to be Ric Flair. I, I I met him a few times, and you know, my career wasn't that great where I got to work him. But uh, right. I've been at a hotel bar with him, and I'll tell you that he is 
what you see on TV, man. And that's why he's so good. And I've said that a thousand times. Anybody that gets over is just an extension of their personality. And that's him. That's him. Right. All the shit right. you hear about him, yeah, that's him. But that's what you wanted to hear when he was saying, I'm the limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, blah, 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 blah. That's what you wanted to hear. So now that it's become fact that that's what he is oh shit let's all get freaked out about it no that's what yeah. you like you know that's the you know and and them saying he forced someone on him or whatever okay yeah that's if he did that then no but i you know i wasn't there i don't know i'm just saying right. that people want to hear you be this that and the other then when something comes out they want to fucking bury you but all the same time all those years you imagined him being that guy that did what he's being accused of, and everybody's right. With it. Right? Yeah, he called it nature. So, like, if he's out partying and stealing your woman, it's called nature, you know. Yeah. And the I time mean, that I, you know, with, I watched him sit there and buy. I mean, people that were just in this little hotel bar, not just the boys, but people that were sitting in the hotel bar. He bought a round for everybody. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say other than that's what I, I, the guy that did that, I was like, holy shit, this is the guy I grew up watching on TBS, you know? Yeah. I mean, did you sip it slow? <laughs> I mean, ah. you like, man, this <laughs> uh, probably killed it. I probably killed it. That's not, that's not a Wolfie D deal, is it? <laughs> well, anyway, you know, that, that, I think that's one of our better current affairs. It just lined up with this amazing WCW PG-13 episode. Don't forget, folks, Shannon Moore, Big Vito, YouTube Watch Along next week. Episode 23, WCW is PG-13 Part 2. Hey, Wolfie, take us out, man. I'm just going to say thank you guys for listening to uh, Live and in Color of Wolfie D. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah!
So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-L-F-E. Uh, I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at LiveWolfieD. And then on YouTube, at Live and in Color with Wolfie D Podcast. Our website is anchor.fm slash Wolfie D. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. Also, do you have a product or business you'd like Wolfie D to talk about? Let us know about it by leaving a recorded message over at anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message. Leave your name and contact info and we'll get back to you. Once again, that's anchor.fm slash Wolfie D slash message. And before we go, you can always find me your host jimmy street at james rock street on twitter instagram and youtube and hey jimmy before we go real quick i just want to add in there uh from the bottom of my heart i really appreciate first of all the work you've done for this podcast you have worked your butt off secondly the people that are liking the page beyond that even more is the people that are listening and we really appreciate that yeah and remember guys the podcast drops a new episode every monday at noon and our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats thanks again i got a cat and here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving in color. Rum rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was free. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick, it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over on board later. Not here to play games, so you better be real. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You set a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.